Welcome to the Future of Work podcast, brought to you by Marna. We're on a mission to help you prepare for, embrace, and navigate the inevitable changes happening in the world of work. We'll be deep diving into thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, experts, and visionaries. We'll explore how artificial intelligence, automation, and other cutting-edge technologies such as the blockchain are revolutionizing the way we work, learn, and live. So, if you're curious about the future, passionate about innovation, and eager to learn, let us help you redefine success in a world where the only constant is change. Let's build the future of work together. Ben, welcome onto the Searching for Mana show, Future of Work. Lloyd, it's sure great to be here with you, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you on the show. So excited to go into you know um the journey really um ben of a organization that you founded and you know i don't want to say it wrong but like now has several hundred people in that organization has has raised god's money and is uh, providing an incredible solution within the future of work so it's super exciting to cut into this stuff so the audience if they don't already has some context if you could be so kind to give a elevator pitch of, um, you know, you and your organization, please. Happy to do it. Um, so Velocity Global is a work platform that helps companies and talent come together anywhere on the planet. Um, and specifically, if you're a if you're a company and you want to employ somebody, whether across state lines in, in the United States, you know, we do business in all 50 states. Um, or almost literally any country in the world outside of those blacklist countries, um, we can help companies employ people in 185 countries. So what started as, because we actually launched the industry of almost a decade ago, what started as is almost a services business has really become much more of a tech platform that helps companies find, you know, source, hire, uh, onboard, payroll, benefits, everything for the employee anywhere around the world. And of course, the benefit for the employee is they're getting payroll. You know, it's high, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're getting payroll. They're getting benefits. They're getting car leases through work. They're uh, they're not only doing great work. They're getting remunerated for it, and you know, getting done in a in a compliant fashion. So. Thanks, Ben. Um, that's very inspiring. Um, I'm sure for a lot of um, founders or leaders in business overall, but the point where you've taken it from a professional service business into a tech platform would be a really fascinating moment in time for you to go back and talk to. And, and I say that with some greed because, uh, you know, I have run professional service businesses and, um, and tech businesses but um, we are going through, uh, in our group, a transition where we're breaking out the tech. Uh, and it's a massive consideration, you know, and you, 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 you obviously did it where I'm assuming on reflection that was the right thing to do. But if you could take us back to that moment and why it moved from being professional service to a tech play. Oh, Lloyd, yeah. Well, boy, we could talk about this for, for hours. Um, you know, rewind again. Basically, ten years, um, and, and I'll tell you kind of the quick side story is is I'm a first time entrepreneur, 
So at the previous company I was with where I was an employee, I ran global partnerships for us. And I was sitting across from, and what we did at that business is we helped companies set up their subsidiaries, their legal infrastructure all around the world. And then all the kind of backbreaking back end compliance that comes along with that bookkeeping, payroll, taxes, all those things, because you have a legal presence. And I was sitting across from a CFO and they said, Hey, we need to hire someone in Saudi Arabia. Can you help? And I said, sure. Here's how you set up a company in Saudi Arabia. And the CFO paused me really quick and said, Whoa, buddy, I don't want to have a company in Saudi Arabia. That's what I'm looking for here, but I need to employ this person. You all do business in Saudi Arabia, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, why don't you just employ this person for me? Um, because I ran global partnerships, I, I knew that we didn't do that, but it was an interesting idea. I looked around to see if there was anyone on the planet offering something like this, and there wasn't. I say that as the pretext because I well, I brought it to the founder and I said, we ought to be in this space. And he said he wasn't interested. So fortunately, that's why you and I are talking here today. Um, but that's the pretext because there was no tech Right. I mean, literally it was, and I actually didn't have a co-founder. So it was literally just me trying to figure out if you could actually do this model globally, which I knew there was demand for because over the next couple of months, that same conversation happened several times, but there was no tech out of the gates. It was, how do you employ people across borders in a way where you don't have a legal entity? You know, how do you run that payroll? How do you aggregate all of it? How do you get people benefits? And so it took several years to kind of bake out that model and figure out how really that whole thing worked. And that's when we were able to kind of start applying tech to it. That said, it's hard to transition a company when you don't start tech. There's multiple things that I've found being a first entrepreneur um, that are hard if you don't do them the first right, right out of the gates. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. And that's one of them. And that several year grind, do you get through that by somehow kind of covering the costs of employing these people and clever economics and slowly, slowly grinding through it? Or did you raise at that point already and have partners? At what point do you look at the business model as you know, right, we're going to need to go get venture capital money, which obviously to date now has been a very successful amount. Without first seven years, it's it's next to impossible to get that type of a investor for a professional service business. How, how are you fording to that point? Was it a, you know, a, was it a profitable business at that point? Was it break even? You bootstripped? What did you do? I'm one of the most blessed and fortunate entrepreneurs of all time. Um, I'm telling you that I really, truly do believe in that because we actually bootstrapped the business for seven years um, and bootstrapped it to over a hundred million in revenue. Wow. Um, and I'm just not all that familiar with, with many other companies that have had that kind of success that fast. And we did it profitably. I mean, we had to. We didn't have any pockets to reach into, yeah. right? Um, I don't. I come from a kind of squarely middle class family. I didn't have a lot of means. Um, I certainly didn't. I think I had just gotten out of debt um, right when I started Velocity Global, and then I fell right back into it for the first eighteen months when I didn't take a salary. 
Um, so there wasn't like pockets to reach into anywhere. Um, so for the first seven years, we grew like crazy. We grew profitably. Um, but we decided our story is a bit of a unique one. Uh, and it's interesting. I was just at a conference earlier this week and I was actually speaking with an early stage entrepreneur who was bootstrapped so far for the first year. And she was having this internal debate of when do I take capital? Do I go take capital? When's the right time? Yeah. Ours was a little bit unique because there one, we established and we created this industry and we knew we'd invite competition and we did. And we had such success that venture capital took notice. And so you started getting some very well-funded early stage, early stage companies coming in. And so we were paying close attention to that. At the same time, we also had an opportunity to actually roll up a, a couple companies, you know, one which is direct competitor, one was kind of similar in our space, but we didn't have the balance sheet to do that ourselves. So we actually connected with a a mid-market private equity shop, a kind of an unusual yeah. Yeah. first investment on a trajectory like this. But but we did, and it was fantastic. They've been incredible partners for us throughout. But it was shortly after that that we realized um, in order to... It, it was kind of becoming an arms race, uh, very clearly. I mean, we had one of our competitors' deal, I think, had raised at that point... 500 million or 600 million or 700 million dollars um and to their credit they were putting it to good use we were really starting to see them show up more and more in competitive deals <clears throat> and so we said you know there's really a, clearly an arms race on and so it's uh it's time for us to actually to get in our hand was forced to kind of a certain degree but we also really went out and sought the the right partners to help us grow and continue our market leading position it's one of the um, really interesting things about the Future of Work show that um, you're one of our first guests on, and rightly so. We will be covering um, many of the uh, platforms that could be perceived as offering uh, a similar type of proposition, and arguably are. You just mentioned Deal, for instance. So, you know, obviously blew up, loads of money raised huge team and founder seems pretty awesome um how do you differentiate yourself what's if there is unique to what you guys offer rewind five years ago and we would say in the halls of Velocity Global, and I probably should have paid closer attention to it at the time, interestingly, but we uh, we, we, we said in the halls of Velocity Global, the only time we really lose uh, opportunities with companies um, is when there's a contractor involved. Because the platform that we had built out was if you want to hire someone as a full-time employee, you know, in the US we call them W-2, but there's... You know, there's other models all around the world. If you want to hire them as a full-time employee, we built out uh, an infrastructure and a model whereby you can do that. But there were a lot of companies who said, and it was predominantly early stage companies who said, great, you know, I get that. But honestly, I just want to call them a contractor. I'm an early stage company. I just want to call them a contractor. I understand there's risks and I get Velocity Global. You're telling me there's some risks to call them contractor, but... I'll figure that out later, right? It's the typical 
honestly, early stage Silicon Valley mentality, which is I'm going to take some risks. I'm going to take some challenges. And as I grow, if I grow, as I grow, we'll clean that stuff up later. Those were the ones that we tended to like lose. And by lose, meaning that companies just wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't go with us. Deal, a couple of the others in the space, I think, wised up to this and realized it and said, hey, you know, there actually needs to be a platform for contractors. And so there have been several who've come, Deal in particular, who've come and uh, really focused on the contractor. And as a matter of fact, I mean, they will even to this day push companies to contractor versus full-time employee, right? There's been many articles recently written about that. Um, maybe even an investigation or two, but uh, they have they push companies towards kind of that contractor as opposed to employee. Why that matters is, and don't get me wrong, there is obviously with success of some of these new entrants into the space, there's obviously a need for companies to be able to pay contractors globally. You know, it just was a, it was a kludgy system before. So that's fantastic. We've tended to focus more time on the on the the full-time employee, and it's for several reasons. One, as any company grows and scales, they're going to need to be better around compliance for their people globally. Two, as any company grows and scales, the the employees that have long time been contractors are not going to be satisfied being contractors in the long run. Right, they're all almost all eventually going to want to become full time employees. They're going to want benefits. They're going to want stock. They're going to want pension programs. Right, they're going to want access to these things. They're going to want paid time off, things that are afforded of full time employees. And three, we just wanted to be on the right side of the compliance spectrum. And it depends on where you're operating around the world. But if you're operating in California, you really can't get that wrong. If you're operating in France or Germany, you really can't get that wrong. If you're operating in Brazil, you can't get that wrong. And we wanted to build a company for the ages. And we wanted to build a company that can really grow and scale to, to great heights. And so that's why we did it. The problem is that's the hardest part. Sending a contractor payment, honestly, is, is you know, global fintech and global payments is hard. So don't get me wrong. But a contractor is the easy part, right? Collect a flat payment and remit a flat payment to an individual. The hard part is when you're actually dealing with calculating payroll in a hundred... We're currently employing people in 160 plus countries around the world. Calculating payroll in 160 countries every single month. Yeah. is incredibly hard and getting it right. Forget about all the other stuff that comes along with it, right? Getting employment contracts correct, making sure that when they leave, you know, you have severance and 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 garden leave done correctly, that you're getting the right benefits. That's the really difficult part of it. And so when you start thinking about some of the differentiations in the marketplace, um there's a lot of there's a lot of companies in this space that are almost kind of more fintechs. They're they're not really involved a lot in the employment piece or at all. They're just contractors and they're just remitting payments. We've chosen a really difficult route, but we think is going to pay off in the long run, which is the vast majority of people around the world are full time workers, and that's what we want to sure we get right. Love it and agreed. When you talk so passionately. Ben, then it made me wonder if in the hallways, people would also say, you know, our unique selling point is Ben. 
right? Because <laughs> you, you, you're obviously just unbelievable to have, you know, seen this opportunity, really genuinely been first to market of significance, and then um, built this incredibly sophisticated platform with massive purpose. Now, recently, hot off the press, you have, of course, moved from the chief executive seat to the executive chairman one. And there is a new, um, you know, fantastic individual from industry who's taken the chief executive mm. officer role. However, not to focus on that as much as, you know, I know you humbly would in the press. Um, I would love to know the really emotion of doing that. And I know there's rationale. I'd like to have you talk to that at this point as well. Because, you know, when I hear you talking through this organization, I, I, I imagine that must have been such a, a challenging thing to, to do. Wow. Yes. It, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a roller coaster. Uh, it most certainly is. Um, so in April of this year, we, we celebrated nine years as a business, but, but really for the year before that, you know, I was doing a fair amount of work and kind of lead up in the prep to officially launching the business in 2014. Um, and so it's, it's been about a decade that, that I've been working on this and there's a lot of people who've worked on stuff for a lot longer, but, um, it has exceeded my wildest expectations and yet we're just getting started. I mean, I, I, could not be more excited about directionally where we're headed as this company and the opportunity in front of us. And so what happened was, you know, Lloyd, if I'm going to be just totally transparent, totally honest, is late last year, um, we sat down as a family and we talked very openly about how difficult the last two years in particular had been. Um, you know, the pandemic was an interesting one for everybody. Um, I will tell you for, and again, I think this is probably not necessarily unique to someone in the CEO seat. Um, but I'd walk into the office at my home at seven in the morning and I'd shut the door. And fortunately my kids are a little bit older. I have friends who have younger kids who would literally, the kids like bang on the door, like, Hey, why are you shutting me out of your office? Right. My kids were old enough uh, you know, now to kind of understand and and dads and they're working and it's okay. But I'd shut the door at seven and I'd be on Zooms for 10 hours. And then I'd emerge and I'd be spent, just completely spent. And there would be my son who would have a baseball mitt in his hand and he'd say, hey, let's, you want to go out inside and throw? And my answer was, you got to give me a sec. Like you got to give me time. Right. Uh, I'm, I, I just need, I need to decompress. It's been a long day. I think the thing that is then unique about <clears throat> the role of the CEO or founder or what have you is work never really shuts off. I mean, you're always thinking about the business. And even if you try to compartmentalize, it's somewhat of a fool's errand. You're just always thinking about the things that are broken, always thinking about the things that need to be fixed. It just never gets off your mind. And so, you know, I'd open up that door and I just wouldn't be necessarily the dad that I wanted to be. And I'd, yes, maybe I'd block that time for dinner. But, um, and then we started thinking about what's coming next. You know, we just had just done a, a really large capital raise, which is going to give us, you know, almost kind of infinite runway 
Um, and but there will be another type of raise in the future down the road, and it was just going to be a big investment on the time of my family. Um, and so we decided it was time to go take a look around, and so. I, we made the decision in November. It took me a few weeks to get up the courage and the plan to tell my board um, because, you know, for a lot of these investors, they talk a lot about how they invest in, you know, not just the company, but but the individual is a really important piece of it. Um, and so when I, when I told them and I said, listen, first off, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm here and I don't plan to go anywhere. I'm so excited about the direction where we're headed, but we need to find someone who will lead the more of the day to day. I wouldn't say they were thrilled for the first couple of days, but everybody really came around. And then we we all get excited about the potential opportunity. And I will tell you, Lloyd, and this is, I feel so blessed about this, that I built a company that attracted the level of talent we had when we opened a search for the CEO of this business was unbelievable. I mean people and professionals that I would have dreamed in my career to have ever had conversations with, had fireside chats with, reach out for advice and guidance. I mean, dozens of those individuals um, all express interest in potentially joining Velocity Global. So um, we hired Frank Calderoni. Um, and I will tell you my number two and number three candidates, I almost to this day don't believe that I actually had to call them and say, hey, we're moving on with someone else. I mean, just unbelievable professionals and humans. Um, but Frank really stood out above the rest. And uh, it's been it's been really fun and interesting to see someone who has a, a true playbook over the years who can really see around the corner and see what's coming next. And he's been an incredible partner to me. Um, and the feedback from the organization has been absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm excited and I'm thrilled. And thanks for being so transparent. It's um, very inspiring to me. Uh, and I'm sure the audience, when I set out, um, you know, spend a lot of time on the searching for Mana platform, you, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? You know, because it's like another, another business, quite frankly, and I, I you know, already have enough, <laughs> enough things, um, and I have a young family, so it's okay. I have to be genuinely so so curious about this. It has to be me wanting to talk to people like you, mm. you know, every single week with genuine like, just uh, curiosity, passion, learning from it, and it all adds up. So that's worked incredibly well. Today, but but actually, where it really came from was I read a lot of biographies and was always started with just how unhappy and miserable people might be who, through the lens of a reader, could be perceived as very wealthy and successful and having a lot of uh, influence in the world. And you know, as kids, we kind of just think of the titles and what yeah. we want to be, and then you know, reading through that would come across some. Now, maybe some weren't quite as successful and maybe some were the most successful people on the planet, but they'd had the ability to look down on themselves and think, am I, am I happy? Why am I doing this? And of course, if you can be successful, focused on your passion and also what's important to you is your overall uh, you know, health, uh, and how present you are in your family, which at different times might might be different for your own or their appetite, then I believe you really get the chance 
to you know at the end of it, it all go that that was great you know like yep. that's why i did this and so like kudos to you for doing what i don't think many people probably would do and then that could have been you for another year or three locked away in the room from seven to seven not being able to go play ball uh or whatever it might be um so that's uh that's I, you know haven't spoke to many people who i think at this stage in an organization like this have had that ability to think that through and i think that that takes you to an even higher level for, for my impression of what you've been able to achieve. So, so well done now. I appreciate that. You know, it, it's interesting. I was just, I, I mentioned I was at a conference the last few days. It actually was a, a founders conference um, put on by, by fortune magazine. And I was telling my story. I, I was not on a panel, but uh, I was talking to a lot of different founders. I mean, there was a couple hundred probably founders, uh, mostly tech all around this. And, 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 so many things stood out for me in this, but you know, one is basically everyone's tormented, right? So um, <laughs> it's that torment of that founder of that entrepreneur. That's a, we're a very tormented group, right? Um, is things are always broken. There's things that we always want to fix where nothing's ever moving fast enough, right? And that 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 takes its toll. But I was also sharing my story with a handful of folks. And I would say, hey, you know, Ben Wright, you know, founded Velocity Global 10 years ago. And up until two months ago, I was a CEO. And they'd say, oh, tell me more. Um, and there were a lot of questions, right? A lot of people asking. And I I handed out my my personal cell to quite a number of people and said, you know, if, when you're on this journey, let me know. And I would tell people, I said, listen, I, I'm I'm as passionate about this business that I started as today as I am when I first started. And I am even more excited about the future of this thing from when I started this thing. But I'll tell you, my daughter, who's 12, a couple of weeks ago, wrote this nice note to me. I can't remember why, but it was, it was really cute. It was really nice. But there was two lines in there. And it said, Dad, I'm really grateful I have you around more now. Amazing. And then she said, it must have been really hard. It's very perceptive. She said, it must have been really hard to step down as the CEO of your business. And I thought, this is why I'm doing it, man. Right. Yeah. And I I care so much about every single employee that works at Velocity Global. And you talk to anybody that works there, they'll they'll tell you that same thing. Um, you know, I really care about our team. I really care about making an impactful company. I really care about this mission of being able to impact lives globally through work. Um, but I can't forget the thing that's most important to me. Yeah, that's right. Oh, what a lovely moment that was. Uh, and as you say, how perceptive of, of your daughter as, as, as they tend to be. Hey, mm. and what, um, I know you will be doing is, as you say, fully focused on this massive opportunity, but you must've thought also perhaps, you know, over the next several years, you know, where it's not locked in the office from seven to seven other than the extreme effort and passion that will carry on going into velocity global would you start opening up other type of entrepreneurial opportunities typical ones may well be something completely different it could be venture capital itself you obviously got so many lessons that you can impart on other people great network effects and so on and so forth 
that is the second question I get from everybody, right? Which is especially <laughs> that founders conference. So what are you going to do now? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's oh, so God, I just done it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's great because that's what makes you actually really good at what you do because that's exactly what all your listeners are, are thinking, right? Well, well, what are they going to do now? Um. I, I sat across from a founder. It was really interesting. She started three companies and uh, I don't go unnamed, but um, she sold her last company and she said, and so I I bought a house and I built a house and I was working on it. And within two months, I was so completely miserable and bored. I just had to go start another company. Yeah. Um, that is far more the norm uh, of what I've found kind of through this early part of my journey, as opposed to... I'm just done. I'm retired. Um, people ask me, they use the R word, you know, are you, so are you retired or what are you going to do? And uh, I keep telling people, I, I, I haven't given a name to it. I have absolutely no idea. And, and truly, I actually haven't thought about it um, because I'm really enjoying getting my kids to their sporting events. Uh, I'm really enjoying not setting an alarm quite as early in the morning. I'm still an early riser, but not an alarm quite as early, you know, focused on, I'm a runner, focused on my running. I've started, uh, you know, t engaging in hobbies that have been left completely dormant the last 10 years because yeah. there's been zero space for them, but also to really be there for my family. And so that's kind of been the focus. Um, I'll share with you that for the most part, when I was at this business conference this week, None of it really seemed like excited to jump back into the rat race. I'm just going to be totally <laughs> honest. But there was one moment, there was one moment where my heart picked up a little bit and I could feel my heart start to race. And I thought, oh, I should, I'm going to do a little exploration on that and see what's there. But, uh, you know, for what it is right now, uh, I'm really enjoying my board role. Um, yeah, I really, I, I love the board that we put together. I have the best board on the planet. I've got an incredible CEO. We got a great team. I love that work. Um, I've started doing some work with the world economic forum yep. around actually providing opportunities to everyone, you know, not just if you have a LinkedIn profile or yep. you happen to live in a first world economy, um, but actually providing opportunities to people everywhere. So there's there's some things that are keeping me busy. Love it. Um, you you intrigue me uh, as a person outside of work as well. For anybody who's on audio here, we've got what looks to me like Bruce Springsteen behind you. <laughs> you got uh, a B on that baseball cap. What's that standing for? This is the Brooklyn Royal Giants. Um, so if you have any baseball fans, um, and I can tell from your accent that you may not have grown up as a American baseball fan, yeah. but um, there's a bit of history. I, I am really passionate about baseball, um, as is my, actually my entire family. Um, we just love baseball. You didn't, you didn't grow up being fascinated in cricket then, I assume. I did not grow up being <laughs> fascinated in cricket, um, but somebody... I'd love to. I got invited to a test match and I oh. wasn't able to make it. And oh, I was yeah. really, oh, I need you've to got the time. You've got the time now. There are only five days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I genuinely believe, because I'm deluded, that um, based on my throwing arm in cricket, which was just extreme, that if I was born in America, I would have, you know, I would have been like a superstar, superstar baseball 
pro. Is I that true? Is that oh, right? Hundred percent. I've got no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking with a founder this week who was very accomplished in India, and he was talking about growing up at a time before they had the is it the the T what is it the T twenty threes or yeah. the T matches or um, anyway. Yeah, that's right. So um, he was saying that he was really, really good cricketer in India, of all places, right? Which is, you know, the top, top. right? Near top, the top. Right. Near the top. I'll, I'll be respectful for it. Near the top. Probably and top. Um, <laughs> and uh, he just said there wasn't as much opportunity because you were either on the 11-man side for the national team or that was it. Um, yeah. So anyway, we were talking. I was talking about cricket a lot this week. It's a, it's a sport that fascinates me. So let's dig them on around to find out more than your Bruce Springsteen uh, passions, which is a great one. And I'm going to start with what a question I don't normally start with, but I'm interested in it now. And sorry to put you back in this zone, but here we go. What now is keeping you up at night? Um, what now is keeping me up at night? There's not a ton that keeps me up at night right now. I have to tell you, I've slept really well the last two months. You're, you're allowed. Um, you're I, allowed. Everybody post CEO, we allow that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> you do. That's fair. Um, and I, I recognize my privilege in the moment to be able to say that. Right, the ability to be able to take a little bit of time off and and just do this because there are a lot of people in this world, this planet, who maybe not necessarily have the means or the circumstances to be able to take a little bit of time off. And so, um, but it is, it's remarkable. I have slept incredibly well the last two months. It, it's really great. I've manufactured in my mind a couple times things that have stressed me out. Like I think there was something coming up around a board meeting that was, uh, kept me awake one night and I woke up the next morning and I said, wow, that is, that is truly just a fabrication of my own mind to sort of make myself stress and worry about something. Let that go. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. Of course it was not. And so, um, there's not a time that has, that has kept me up at night. If anything, um, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big runner. I think I may have mentioned I'm running a lot. And sometimes if I have like a, I have a coach and I'm training for some events and, if I have a really tough workout the next day, I'll sometimes toss and turn to bed and dread whatever he has cooked up for me the next day at the track. Are you um, Are you working towards anything with the running? Is there a race or a distance? I, I did this event in the spring called the World Marathon Challenge, which was uh, seven marathons, seven continents, seven days. And in the middle of that... I realized that I could probably do a hundred mile run, which has always kind of seemed out of reach for me. And so I finally succumbed and signed up for a hundred milers. So I'm training for that towards, uh, I think it's the early part of next year. Wow. This is what, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just chilling out now. <laughs> um, that's amazing. You've read Born to Run. Love that book. There's another great one written by McDougal, the same author. Um, that's called, oh my God, I'm going to space the name a little bit, Sherman. My friend Sherman are running with Sherman. And he wrote another book about, in Colorado in particular, there's, and it happens at a number of places, but it's it's very prevalent in Colorado. They do races with donkeys over mountains. And he inherited a donkey and he was a runner. And so he ended up doing it. And so there's actually several of us, all entrepreneurs here in Colorado, 
who are planning next year to actually do some of these borough races. So that's what's next too. Oh my god! Wow, I never never heard about that. Yeah, that book's fantastic. We'll put both of those in the in the show notes. Um, if anybody's interested in ultra running, or actually, the other thing I found fascinating around it was really how to think about barefoot running and you know the price of a train and what are you really getting there and and all this type of stuff. Uh, great book, really great. Um, oh, super cool. What would you put, Ben, on a um publication of choice so i don't know what your favorite one might be but you know new york times financial times forbes choose one and then what would you put on the cover what would i put on the cover could it be any topic you do whatever you want yep the cover's yours new ownership of the professional baseball team in Colorado, Ben Wright, leads them to World Series in five years. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, I see what the ambitions are now. I like it. <laughs> that's very cool. Do you have a particular um, ritual that you go back to when you've got something that, you know, you really need to focus on? Typically, I find that people have these, you know, in the morning, but, but whatever your one is, a ritual that gives you the energy that you need on a on a big day. For sure. I learned a while ago that some some level of fitness makes me a better human. Um and it's it's more than just a walk or something like that. Like I need to exert myself a bit. I don't necessarily have to bury myself, but I need to I need to exert real energy into doing something. And I found that I'm I'm better to be around. Uh, I'm I'm more focused. Um, I have better ideas. And so, and it's interesting. I you know was training a number of years ago for this world marathon challenge, and so I decided to to set a goal for myself of there's this streaking concept, not like taking your clothes off and running down the street. That's one version, but the other is <clears throat> doing something every day. And so I started a running streak in 2021 and decided I'm going to go all 365 days with running because I know that when I do something like that, it makes me better. I actually still have that streak going. So I'm 900 20 something probably days in to running every day. And you're doing um, that first thing. Typically first thing. Um, I actually didn't this morning cause I arrived quite late last night and afforded myself the opportunity to sleep in a little bit, but it's typically first thing in the morning gets my head screwed on straight. Um, recently I've started getting more into cold therapy and breathing. And so I actually got a cold plunge and I put it in my house and I do that, uh, a lot of days, cold plunge, sauna, cold plunge, sauna. And it's really interesting. I've talked to a lot of people who have hyperactive, overactive brains, kind of like myself, you know, call it ADHD, call it something else, call it being an entrepreneur. I don't know. But every person who has that really hyperactive, overactive brain ha actually experiences a better level of calmness and solitude and sanctity over the course of the day um, when they do cold 
therapy and, and some of this. And so it has really worked for me. And then I most days actually do, you know, people probably heard a lot about Wim Hof and kind of that whole breathing exercise, which has been around for a long time, but he's really popularized it. Um, that's a big part of that practice as well. Otherwise, I actually, I actually have a couple alarms that go off on my phone every single day that are simple reminders. Um, there's one that goes off at nine o'clock in the morning um, that just says acceptance and forgiveness. Um, and in case there's anything that I'm carrying around with me that day, that is a resentment or a grudge or something along those lines that we all know just brings you down. It's a reminder to me, whatever in that moment I'm kind of hanging on to, let go for just the rest of the day. Um, there's another one in the middle of the day to stop and you know say a little prayer um, and whatever that looks like for you. But meditation, prayer, something along those lines um, really helps center me. And then towards the end of the day, there's one that goes off to just do a reflection on my day and where did I do well? Where do I need to improve and what can I improve the next day? That's amazing. And when that final one comes up, are you, are you journaling that? I should. I'm really, there's, there's, there's several kind of coaches, mentors in my life who always remind me, Ben, you really need to actually write more. Uh, I highly recommend it. Do as I say, not as I do. Um, I tend to do more mentally. It's much more impactful when you do actually journal it. Um, and and I do periodically, but I kind of get in and out of it. But maybe, maybe not for you. You know, I, I, I think... Um... You know, if it works for you, and so I don't know what, what what your situation there is, but you know, I was reading the um, Shoe Dog bio uh, mm. Phil, Phil Knight uh, a couple of years ago, and it's like I think it's quite a depressing book. I really don't know why so many people liked it. It's just him refinancing his business the whole the whole time, basically. It's like, oh, it's amazing! <laughs> it's like this Nike founder. I was like, really? It's very stressful, which we can relate to. But there's this part in it where he basically goes for a run every morning like a 10k needs to do that um and then at the end of the day he, he just sit in his chair just sit in his chair uh you know when it's a little bit more quiet and i do that i was like oh i'm not the only person mm. who's doing this and you know i'm not writing things down i know it's very good to have the intention of writing and i try to use that in other moments but just you know 30 minutes where you haven't caught any time and to just absorb it and think and you know i think that greatness comes out of that so if that's your method so do you set like do you carve out 30 minutes ever at a certain point of the day every day to do that i will i will you know it's so agile right like we, we both have had uh or have businesses that are international so I work a lot with america and i'm in the uk yeah. so i'm up till midnight on uh yeah. calls some of the time so whenever it gets to the end which let's say is around then, um, then then uh, you know I'll make sure that I go get that time for myself. But it's a it's a mm. different times. So I'm not doing the kind of phone reminders, but that sounds great. I definitely should do that. I'm just I'm so greedy with a few things for myself. Exactly. Uh, well, similar with um, I go to have a sauna, and then I go in the freezing cold shower. Then I go in the steam room. Then I go in the freezing cold shower, and I love it. I'm like completely addicted to that. Yeah, and walk, yeah. before going into that, the mind is just all over the shop. And then afterwards, I'm like, 
Ah, okay. So it must be the ADHD thing. <laughs> it must be. And I'm sure scientists have kind of figured out, I haven't done enough research. I almost just don't even care. Like all yeah. I know is that it works. And so I do it. Yeah, uh, I don't exactly. even care why it just yeah. does. And so I love it so see... much. I just, there's no way, like when I'm going to bed, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to do that thing in the morning. So it's just going to happen. I don't have to remind myself to do it. That's amazing. Yeah. If you're listening, you just try it. I know it sounds yeah. terrifying to get in the, the, the icy cold water, but just, just just trust us. It's you got to do it. So when I, I, I'm so curious if, if you'll if you'll allow me in that 30 minutes where you sit. I mean, do you have a defined process? No, not really. Um, the the thing that I'm really trying to achieve throughout the day because I have advisory roles outside of the core group that I founded. The group I have now has three different service lines you know on one side something's quite technical on the other side something's quite professional services and then the industries we're in are financial technology and crypto i mean so you really are multitasking throughout the day you just uh mm. switching context the whole time i suppose what i do in the and a lot of the time it feels like for other people and organizations it can be your your team or whatever it might be is I'm definitely sitting down and trying to move away from problems because it can feel throughout the day that you're fixing problems the whole time. I'm probably escalating myself into the old chairman role at that point. And this is like going back to what, why entrepreneurs do it. I'm like, let's get back to the vision now. And then by the next day that connects me into what I might be doing tactically. So that half an hour is indulgent. It is again, I look forward to it. I'm going to just reflect, forget the little things that I didn't fix and I won't fix for a few weeks, but let's just go back to like, I'm on the right type thing. But no, I'm again, unfortunately not. That's what look, I'm doing the show, Ben. So I'll pick up great toolkits from other people in two years. Ask me the same question. And I'm sure uh, it'll be more structured. That's really cool. I mean, that's uh that's pretty neat. I think I may, I may, I may steal a little bit of that. Um, that time to sit and and process, we all feel like we're so busy, right? We're so busy. And then you get to the end of the day and you're so tired that I think for many of us, the idea of even taking that time, one, may not cross our minds, but two, it just gets brushed aside. You know, yeah. I'll just go to bed or I'll catch up on the news or I'll send that last email. And so the fact that you're purposeful about that is, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, on the tech side, um, you're also in a position I find nowadays, this is for just about everybody, where you can feel like you're almost researching the whole time, right? There is a never ending treasure trove of information that you could go and pursue. And so it's very intentional at that point as well, that it's off comms, it's all just in your own thought process. And I think that's why I enjoy it, because I, I don't feel like I'm, you know, in the in the matrix at that point. So the the big question, the finale for the uh, the mana round, Ben is mana. Just just for some context for you or any of the audience who don't know, is your magic. So in gaming, you have your power, and you have your mana, and the mana is a superpower. So you can think of that in a game of you might be able to run really quick, jump really high. You've got magic skills that is uh, unstoppable sword skills, etc. What's your mana? Hmm. You know, I 
think I've found my mana professionally is that I've been really effective at I've been really effective at empathy with our team uh, of really being able to put myself, I think in a lot of other people's shoes. Um, the good news is, is, you know, I I've been there, you know, I like everybody, right. I, I always tell a story of uh, when I started my career in San Francisco, I didn't have enough money to purchase my mattress. And so I had to finance it. So for $20 a month for two years, I paid off my mattress. And after two years, I felt so proud that it was my mattress that I was sleeping on. You know, and as I started as an associate and I work up through the organization and, um, you know, I, I and at Velocity Global, I've worked every single role as being a sole founder and actually not having any employees for that first year. You know, I've done every single job at this company in some capacity, although we're big enough now that there's some very specialized jobs that I, I probably haven't done. But, um, but knowing that companies are very little more than a group of people who come together to decide to work in a common goal and a common purpose. I think clearly outlining why we're here, what's in it for you, what's in it for all of us, but what's in it for you and clearly aligning people on what it is that we're really trying to accomplish and going and getting that done. And for us at Velocity Global is it's really, truly creating opportunities for people everywhere. Um, I, I can't tell you one of our, the first clients that we signed, they had a group of contractors in Colombia, And one of those individuals was taking the bus into Bogota. Well, the, several of them were taking the bus into Bogota every single day. And unfortunately, one of these, one of these gals got assaulted on the bus on the way into the office. And she said, enough's enough. I need to get a car, but, but as a contractor in Colombia. And this actually happens a lot of places around the world. If you don't have proof of full-time work, you actually can't get a loan for a car. And so she came to her employer and said, I need to become an employee. Um, and they said, well, we can't, we don't have a registered company. We can't employ you. And so that's how we ended up working together. And I personally got a note from this individual, you know, when we transitioned them over to a full-time employee about how much it means for, for her and her family and she feels safe. And not only that, it's, you know, it's just so funny, this Maslow hierarchy of needs thing in that we've created this culture in the society where we exchange work for pay, but pay is how we take care of life's basic needs. And so, yes, at Velocity Global, we're providing employment and we're calculating your payroll, we're doing benefits and those sort of things. But at a very basic level, we're helping you give peace of mind in your life so that you can be more present, so that you can put food on the table, you can have a roof over your head, you can put your kids through school, those sort of things that you do. And so I think my mana is, you know, really aligning people around that. Um, and as I'd mentioned earlier, I think one of the things that gets me most passionate is there's a there's a large population on this planet who are just out of arm's length reach of those kind of opportunities. And I think that's where that next frontier is to really help lift people everywhere. I love it when um, somebody's superpower and mana, which makes so much sense with you, aligns perfectly as the trait that the platform they 
have built out requires. Uh, we studied um, a big survey, leadership, uh, with Imperial College in London and uh, looked at a fascinating subject where there's actually very little research, the type of traits that do make great leaders. Like, what is that? And we could all, off the top of our head, think of several things, but right at number one was empathy. Mm. And then the interesting segmentation of that is, well, where has that come from? You know, is it innate or is it uh, circumstantial? And relatively overwhelmingly, um, it was circumstantial. It was when individuals had walked on different sides of the tracks. And we get on this show so many people who are either uh, just um, unbelievable leaders. And it's really interesting when you go to their kind of origin story. And I, I really don't want to preach and be biased around like everybody has to have come from one side or the other. And it's not the case. You could be born into a very privileged situation. But if through that, you know, formative period of time, whilst you're developing character, you have maybe had to move because the family moved to a different area and you've had to put yourself out there mm. because you're in a different type of culture, then this can add up to that situation where someone can look down on someone else's situation and imagine themselves in it. And clearly your situation has, has uh, given you those optics. Um, and I'm also sure that, you know, that's a, a natural skill set that was able to go to level 10, but the circumstances allowed you to get it there. It's fantastic. We we tend to finish then with um, just allowing you to have the platform. I've taken a lot of your uh, precious time. I'd love to at some point get you back on because we haven't covered um, some specific topics in the future of work, but that will just be a whole other show. I think what you just talked about around your mana and why that empathy is so great for the platform you're building out uh, just makes so much sense. The final thing I'd love you to do is just to close out, talk about why you think, you know, over the next several years, the future of work is what can resolve that issue for people who, you know, fair employment is out of arm reach. I'd love to do this again. So let's do that. Um, it's been a great conversation and uh, there's so much to, to get into that space. So a hundred percent, let's do it. I'll give you a very specific example. If you're a refugee um, and, and oftentimes a cross-border refugee, you're suddenly in a country other than your own, you don't have any resources. You may not even have paperwork. You know, maybe you didn't have a passport or maybe it was taken away from you, but either way, you're now suddenly a foreigner in this country without any of those resources. And there's so much that's stacked up against you. The ability, you know, you may or may not be in a place that has good access to work. Even if it does, you're dealing with locals who have the bias that you may be taking their work. Yeah. So there's real challenges there. You don't have the bank accounts. You don't have the infrastructure. You don't have the support system. So much of it is, is working against you. And yet, I don't know how much experience you've had, you know, how many friends you have who are immigrants who have worked across borders or have, you know, traveled and picked up their family. My experience is the grit 
that comes along with being an immigrant is truly amazing and truly remarkable. And honestly, if you give me two people to potentially work in a job, I'll select the individual who has that deeper level of grit, which in my experience oftentimes comes with, with that. And it's an extreme version from a refugee perspective. But they don't have a, you know, they may or may not have access to a computer. They probably don't have a LinkedIn profile. So how on earth are companies going to find them? And for me, this is the future of work, right? This is where we like to say at Velocity Global that we can employ anybody anywhere. And we truly can. The hardest part oftentimes is actually not just finding those people who are just out of arm's reach, but also connecting them with the companies where those really great jobs are. And so that's when work truly becomes borderless. That's when opportunity becomes equal for all. And that's when the people who honestly need it most, but yet at the same time, the statistics show refugees actually stay in their jobs four times as long as non-refugees because this is the opportunity they've been looking for. That everybody wins. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Ben. Really, really inspiring. Um, I'm excited to update the audience on your hundred mile uh, race that's just round the corner. What, what, what? One last question. What time are you going to hope for? Don't give me, don't give me. You're just going to try and get round. What are you trying to get? I haven't completely thought about it yet, and I haven't done one, so I'm not totally certain. I know that if you do it in under 24 hours, that's quite an accomplishment, and so that'll probably be my stretch goal, but yeah. I think for the first one, finishing. Yeah, and just, uh, just finish. and Lloyd, I look forward to doing it with you. I'll give you all the details, and you should sign up. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, can't wait. Cheers, Ben. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Searching for Mana podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, and hope to see you again next time. Please subscribe to our YouTube, Spotify or iTunes to make sure you receive all the latest episodes as they are released.